Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to another episode of the Madhouse Podcast. As always, I am your host, Mad Max. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about the new WWE Survivor Series, which uh, dropped on Saturday uh, over the past, uh, over the weekend. It was the 36th or the 35th annual uh, Survivor Series. Uh, it's one of the big four pay-per-views that the WWE likes to do. Uh, it only had maybe five matches, five or six, I think, at the time. I don't remember. Um, but, you know, let's talk about them. Let's get into it. We're going to start with the Women's War Games match in which we saw Damage Control, which is Bayley and the Women's Tag Team Champions, I, uh, uh, Dakota Sky, Io... I can't even remember their names. But it's Damage Control along with uh, Nikki Cross and Rhea Ripley taking on the team of Bianca Belair, uh, Alexa Bliss, Asuka, um, the returning Becky Lynch, and of course um, uh, uh, Mia Yi, who also returned over the. She returned to Raw, I think, last week. And then Rhea. Uh, not Rhea Ripley. Um, Becky Lynch returned to SmackDown uh, that Friday before, the night before Survivor Series. And uh, this was the War Games cage match in which, if you ever seen a War Games match, like if you haven't seen the ones from NXT or even the old school ones from uh, the WCW days, you know, it's two rings side by side and they got the cages surrounding both rings. And, uh, you know, it's basically a five on five, uh, five on five tornado tag team match. No disqualifications, no count outs. Uh, first team to get a pinfall or submission automatically wins. And I got to say, man, this was a hell of a match. This was a great match. I was expecting nothing less. Uh, I was expecting nothing but a great match from all 10 of the women and everything like that. I knew they could deliver. I knew they could uh, pull it out. I was kind of hoping that Damage Control would probably pull out the win on this one. Uh, but unfortunately, they gave it to the, to the good guys, to the good girls uh, who ended up you know, winning in a spectacular fashion, I might add, uh, and everything like that. But overall, this was a fantastic match. I think it was really good. Uh, it was a great way to open the show. I think, it was, yeah, because I, I think it was the first match of the night. And, uh, you know, that's saying something. And the fact that we opened on a good note says a whole lot. And, uh, you know, everything about this match was top-notch. The, the physicality, the the... Uh, the storytelling, the artistry, everything about it. You know, there were a couple of uh, shoddy spots here and there. Um, but uh, overall, it was a damn good match. You know, like I said, you expect nothing less than a War Games match. But uh, at the same time, it's like, you know, what more could you possibly want out of a match like this? You know, so that was kind of cool to see that. Um, uh, next up, we have the... Um, we had the Finn Balor versus AJ Styles match, which, in my opinion, should have been the club versus... While Rhea Ripley was in the War Games match, this should have been a six-man tag team match, in my opinion. You know, it should have been the Judgment Day, you know, Balor, Priest, and Dominic against AJ and the club. You know what I mean? AJ, Carl, you know, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. I, you know, that would have been a great... That would, that would have been cool to kind of get everybody on the card, but... Nonetheless, you know, we still got a damn good match from, uh, we still got a damn good match from AJ and Balor. You know, this was a good match. You know, had all the hot spots and everything like that. And then, um, 
everything you want out of a good match. You know, like I said, like it reminded me of the WrestleMania match between uh, between Edge and AJ Styles. You know, back when the New Day had first formed and everything like that. But uh, overall, this was probably probably the best. I don't want to say it was the best one-on-one match because technically. Well, no, yeah, I can't say that. It was the best one-on-one match that of the night. You know, there was another one, which we'll get into, which I don't really want to, but uh, unfortunately, um, there was uh, another match that we'll get to in a minute. But this was probably the best one-on-one match, singles match of the night, which even though as good as it was, I really think it should have been uh, a, a six man, it would have worked out better because now we didn't have to worry about Ripley or anything like that. And even though it was, you know, it would have been a six man or whatever the case may be. Uh, I still think if it had been a six man, it would have been, I would have had the new day win. You know what I mean? I would have had the not new day, the judgment day win, you know, I would have had the judgment day win had it been a six man, but because it's just AJ and Finn, you know, you get to see a great match between these two guys who are really cool. Even Michael Cole having the the uh, the the call and the announcement. You know, bringing up the old uh, Japanese run of the original Bullet Club that was started by Finn Balor, and then AJ joined and kind of took over from there and stuff like that. So that was kind of cool to get that all in there. It's a great storytelling. You know, Michael Cole is starting to grow on me a little bit, even though I think he's probably one of the worst uh, play-by-play guys that the WWE has ever had. But that's just my opinion. That's just that's neither here nor there. But like I said, it was a great match, and um, I really think that um, it's starting to. I'm you're starting to get a little tiresome of the of the Judgment Day because they're not really going anywhere storyline wise. Uh, but we'll see. You know, we got Royal Rumble coming up in a two months, so we'll see what happens. We'll see how far they're willing to take it, and uh, everything like that. Because the whole idea, because sidetrack a side note, the whole angle of Dominic invading his own parents' house to attack Rey Mysterio on Thanksgiving Day was a bit much because they're not leading towards nothing, you know, so to speak. And with Ray Hurd and out of the World Cup and everything like that, you know, that didn't really do nothing because, you know, these two guys are not going to actually fight each other. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. I didn't really know. I don't could care less where that goes or where that's going to end up, but we'll see what happens. You know, hopefully we, I like the New Day so far. I wish Damian Priest would kind of get his own little you know, thing to do and everything like that, but we'll see what happens here from here on out. Next up, we have the SmackDown Women's Championship match between Ronda Rousey and Shotzi. Um, honestly, this was probably the worst match of the night. I have nothing against Shotzi. I have nothing against Ronda Rousey. But ever since uh, Backlash, when Ronda won the title from Charlotte Flair... Every single SmackDown Championship Women's, every single SmackDown Women's Championship match that they've had since then has been horrible. They're pushing Ronda Rousey for no good reason. They put her in some bullshit ass matches. She ruined Liv Morgan's push um, and everything like that. This match was just boring. Granted, it had some, it had some cool moments in it. But overall, it's just not that good. I don't think, I really don't think there, uh, it's like because Charlotte Flair, Sasha Banks, Naomi, and a lot of those, and Carmella, you know, a lot of the, the top SmackDown, you know, women are not there, you know, they really have nobody left to push outside of Ronda Rousey. But 
honestly, they should have just pushed Liv Morgan, put her in the ring with somebody good. Like, I honestly would have made, I honestly would have, they should have booked Liv Morgan better. That's what kind of hurts me. Liv Morgan deserved to be the champion. It was a cool story for her to win Money in the Bank and then win the title that night. She should have beaten Ronda Rousey clean at SummerSlam and they give her a run against somebody. Formidable. Like, you know what I mean? Like, have her in the ring with somebody like, you know, Shayna Baszler for a while and things like that. You know, Baszler may not be everybody's first choice or anything like that, but, I mean, at least she would have been good enough or she would have done something, you know, decent enough to kind of get her over. Hell, I would have given her another run with Natalia, you know, or something like that because this whole Ronda Rousey experiment, I think it's run its course. She has no, she has no chemistry with nobody. Her in-ring work is not all that great. It's improved a little bit, but it's really not all that great because she can't work with anybody. You know, she's got to be for her to kind of be like the next Ronda, not Ronda Rousey, but like to be another Charlotte Flair. She's really got to be able to hold her own, and she can't like without Flair, without Sasha Banks, or without anybody like that. Um, without anybody like that to kind of nurture her and kind of guide her through the match and everything like that, it's going to be really hard. And, you know, Ronda Rousey's just not the type of athlete. You know, she's she's good to an extent. You know, she's good when she works with somebody else who's, who is who can, like a ring general. She That's what she means. But, you know, because, like I said, Charlotte Flair's not there. Sasha Banks is not there. Carmella's not there. Naomi's not there. It's like all these girls are gone. And then, uh, you know, the one person who could probably actually get over with her uh, is Becky Lynch. But Becky Lynch went to Raw, you know. And that was kind of the whole ordeal. And um, I don't know, man. They really need to get the title off her. I would have kept it on Liv Morgan for a little while. I understand why Liv Morgan never really got a rematch. You know, and this, this, and that, or whatever. But you know, it was—it's ridiculous that Ronda Rousey's held on to the title this long and have no real matches to prove it. She had a good match with Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania, uh, but like I said, that—that that is like ninety percent Charlotte and everything like that. To whereas you know the WrestleMania Backlash match where she won the title was a bit, you know, you know, they, they, I was like, okay, we got to give her. We gotta give her something to do, otherwise she'd walk out. I, to be honest, I would let her walk out. But you know, I don't understand why she is still the champion at this point. Because it's like, dude, you're not selling out tickets. You're not, you know, you're you're diminishing the SmackDown Women's Division. That's really what she's doing. And I don't, and I really didn't get why they kept, you know, forcing her down everybody's throat. I don't know if that was a Vince thing or if that's a creative thing. I really don't know what they're trying to do with Ronda Rousey at this point. Because now it's like, well, we put the title on her and now we don't know what to do with her. You know, and that's not necessarily fair to the rest of the women in the division. But that's neither here nor there. The match was, uh, to be honest, I think the match was just there to kind of get somebody over. And that was kind of Shotzi. But, you know, it was basically a squash once she got back in the ring and everything like that. So, yeah. Had Shotzi won, I would have been surprised. You know, I'd have been like, oh, shit, that was, it was still a terrible match, but I would have been surprised at the outcome. But the fact that, you know, Ronda Rousey won, and, you know, it was just, she won by submission, of course, and uh, everything like that. But, you know, it was just, 
not necessarily the, the something, you know, it was not something that I would have paid money to see. You know, Ronda Rousey's career in UFC tanked because her ego grew so big. Then when Holly Holmes kicked her in the face, burst that bubble, her comeback was cut short by Amanda Nunes and everything like that. It was just, it was just bad. And then she came to the WWE, disrespected it, and then kind of came back because, I don't know, nobody wants to see her fight in UFC again. But we'll see what happens. I'm hoping whoever she fights next at the next pay-per-view takes the title away from her. Hell, I'd probably I'd probably be surprised if she's probably going to lose. The, she'll probably, I wouldn't be surprised if she holds the title to WrestleMania. And then somebody like Charlotte or Sasha Banks returns at the Royal Rumble. And then you have your main event. But I was like, another main event with Ronda Rousey. When the women did the triple threat match where Becky Lynch won, nobody saw it. There was supposed to be this groundbreaking moment, but nobody saw it because pay-per-view ran way too long. It was like five, almost four, five hours long. Everybody was burned out by the time that match kind of happened. It was a great moment for Becky, but overall, that match wasn't that good. And then she has the match with Charlotte Flair this past year. You know, and I was like, that was a good match, but it wasn't because of it wasn't because of Ronda Rousey. So we'll see what happens, man. I just really hope that we're done with this project known as Ronda Rousey. Uh, the next match is the triple threat match for the United States Championship. Seth freaking Rollins defends the title against the almighty Bobby Lashley and Austin Theory. They have been kind of doing Austin Theory dirty over the past couple of weeks. The fact that he had to failed cash in and then the fact that he failed... He was cashing in on the United States title, which that kind of blew a lot of people's minds. Ooh, excuse me. That kind of blew a lot of people's minds because usually whoever holds money in the bank cashes in on a world champion. And I guess they didn't want Austin Theory to cash in on Roman Reigns, so, you know, I'll cash in on Seth Rollins and become United States champion again. And uh, that was okay. That seemed cool on paper. It was just poorly executed. And um, this match was actually pretty good. This was a damn good match. One of the best triple threat matches uh, I've seen in a long time. And um, I got to say, man, uh, this was a really good match. Everybody had their power spots. Of course, Bobby Lashley does this crazy maneuver where he tries to do the hurt lock on both Theory and Rollins at the same time, which looked cool. But it was you know, pretty easy to get out of. I thought Seth Rollins was going to do the curb stomp to both guys at the same time. That's what it looked like. But um, um, but he didn't. He lays out Bobby Lashley. And then the swerve, the, you know, the swerve of the year goes to this match because Austin Theory wins. It's like, whoa, okay, you basically just diminished this guy over the past couple of weeks. And now you give him back the U.S. title. Huh, Interesting. Interesting. I think Austin Theory works as good as a heel. But, um, you know, and then for him to win Money in the Bank, I really didn't think that was necessary uh, because uh, clearly he's not ready for a, a, a major title push. But him being the United States champion is good. You know, it was good for what he what they were trying to do with him at that time and uh, everything like that. Uh, so we'll see where this goes. You know, hopefully this newfound... Uh, glory that Austin Theory has come across will you know benefit him and maybe evolve his character a little bit much, because now without Vince McMahon there to kind of you know back his every move, 
you know, maybe he can rise to the occasion. I see he's growing out his facial hair, which makes him look more intense in a lot of ways. And I was like, yeah, he does look a little bit different, you know. And, you know, the facial hair does add a little bit of that quality to him, you know, make him look more menacing as a heel. And the fact that he was able to win the whole, the win the United States Championship, uh, to win the U.S. title back really is kind of not necessarily burying him, but, you know, giving him something to do in the long run. You know, the fact that they're kind of getting him away from that whole social media presence and all that other kind of nonsense that he was known for. But, you know, hopefully this new this new twist in his character benefits him in the long run. I'm excited to see where he goes from here. And then, of course, our main event is the male uh, uh, War Games match in which the Bloodline, the Uso, which the Bloodline, Roman Reigns and the Usos and Solo Psycho and Sami Zayn take on the Brawling Brutes uh, alongside Drew McIntyre and... uh, Kevin Owens, which that kind of surprised me as well, too. Kevin Owens coming out the, uh, the last week to announce that he was going to be in the in the corner of... Uh, he was going to be in the uh, the brawling brute side against the bloodline, which kind of surprised me. And then the promo he cuts about being the guy, when he gets the chance, he's going to be the one to end Roman Reigns' uh, historic... historic... Uh, his uh, historic run, which... In a lot of ways, Roman Reigns got by certain guys not on his own, but with a little help. Kevin Owens was one of them. He never beat Seth Rollins because, you know, uh, he was disqualified. He can't win the title off of disqualification. But I'm hoping to see that there was going to be there was going to be a little bit of friction between, you know, Sammy and, and Kevin, and there really was in the weeks leading up to it, which kind of gave it a little bit of that more, that more of that backstory to it. Like, is Kevin Owens, like, are they going to set up this uh, betrayal by Sami Zayn? Is the bloodline going to turn on uh, Sami Zayn at this point? Are we going to look at a new contender? Or, you know, it was all kind of going that direction. But then, you know, you saw the match, and Sami Zayn ended up being the one to... Uh, align himself fully uh, with the bloodline by uh, the ending of that match was crazy. The ending of the match, you know, you see Roman Reigns gets knocked out with a stunner. You know, it looks like Kevin Owens is going to win. And then Sami Zayn pushes the referee or holds the referee in place while Reigns is knocked out. And it's like, oh man, this is the moment of truth right here. Is he going to do it? And of course, Uh, He lets uh, Kevin Owens get attacked, and he hits Kevin Owens with a uh, halluva kick in the corner, which really, really surprised me. Hits him with a halluva kick, and then he lays him out for Jey Uso, and Jey Uso gives him the Uso splash. Jey pins Kevin Owens, one, two, three, and the match is over. And it's a great moment, and even though it didn't, it, it was it was disappointing in a storytelling aspect because you wanted to see who the next, who's going to be the next opponent for uh, for Roman Reigns and all this other stuff because you know a lot of people want to see him lose now because it's you know I want to see the titles broken up if like if Roman Reigns can stay on SmackDown with the universal title that's fine but you know overall I want to see the titles eventually broken up so we'll see what ha- we'll see how that goes but the great moment at the end if you didn't see this but the great moment was when 
you know, you know, he lets he lets Jay pin Kevin Owens. The Bloodline pick up the win, and all this other stuff. And uh, Jay, kind, you know, they all kind of look at Jay like, "Welcome to the family." He embraces, you know, Roman Reigns gives him the big hug. But then when Jay Uso and when Jay Uso and Sami Zayn hug at the end, I was like, "That is a great moment right there," because that kind of some from a storytelling standpoint, that was a great moment. <coughs> oh, excuse me. The match overall was pretty good. You know, you had great moments from every, from all the guys. All the guys had their you know their great moments. You had this little stare down between Solo and Drew McIntyre because it was indeed Solo who cost. Drew McIntyre the 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 Universal Title at Clash at the Castle when he debuted, <coughs> which was kind of cool. You saw Sheamus and um, you saw Sheamus and Roman Reigns have a little bit of a stare down because they got a lot of history, especially at the Survivor Series and uh, all that other stuff. So, like I said, there were cool little moments there, you know, just like there was in the women's one. There was a lot of great moments in the guys' uh, war games match and everything like that. Um, But overall, this was a good match. This was a damn good match. Uh, It really, from a storytelling aspect, it was really good. I like the story they told with Sami Zayn and the Bloodline. I like the camaraderie between the brawling brutes that they had. So it was really good. It was really good. It was executed well. It was done phenomenally and the fact that you know the bloodline have finally embraced Sami Zayn as you know an ooze I don't think he's going to be an honorary ooze anymore but we'll see what happens uh, on Smackdown uh, Friday night so hopefully that'll be something to watch but I was kind of hoping that this would kind of lead to you know the next opponent or the next big thing that's going to happen for Roman Reigns I kind of don't want I hope it's not another angle with Lesnar or even McIntyre but, you know, I would like to see, you know, somebody different, you know, and I say that, but we've already seen a run with, you know, he's already fought guys like Seth Rollins and, um, and, uh, he's already fought guys like Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens and all this other stuff. I was kind of hoping it'd be Sami Zayn, you know, just a little bit like Sammy would kind of like snap out of it or the bloodline would turn on him and you know you'd have this big mo- this big momentum for Sami Zayn to kind of be the one to dethrone uh, Roman Reigns, which would have would have been all right. Would have been all right, you know. I know a lot of people wouldn't weren't clamoring for that, but you know that would have been kind of cool to see that, you know. Because out of all the guys that have come out of that NXT run, that those old initial NXT runs like the Shield, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Baron Corbin. Um, a lot of you know, a lot of those guys like that, you know, to see where they've come. I think Sami Zayn is probably the only one that hadn't really had a major push for a world title. Like, yeah, Baron Corbin never won the world title because even though he won Money in the Bank, and even though he was in a you know some of those big time matches and everything like that, you know, he still won Money in the Bank. And he was still a good. Uh, he still got over. You know, this this new kind of. Uh, Happy Corbin and Rich Corbin and everything like that. That was kind of cool to see that and broaden the character and uh, everything like that. So that was kind of cool to see. He was getting a push that he kind of, you know, deserved at the time. But I don't think Sami Zayn ever got one. Sami Zayn has never had a a run with a title. You know, Owens was, 
you know, a lot of people say that, you know, Finn Balor was the first ever United States, was the first ever universal champion and uh, everything like that. And he never really got a chance to kind of have a run with it either, even though because the night that he won it, it was the same night that he had got hurt. But then on Raw, they announced a fatal four-way match for a new universal champions. Kevin Owens won that. You know, Owens has been the world champion, you know, prior to that. But, you know, nobody's ever really given a run with Sammy, which is kind of unfortunate. Sammy was a good intercontinental champion. Sammy was a good, like, you know, mid-card champion and everything like that. I think he works well with certain guys, you know, the whole match with Johnny Knoxville notwithstanding and everything like that, which was kind of a bit much, to say the least. But oh, it was entertaining. You can't say it wasn't entertaining, you know, and a lot of that goes to Sami Zayn and everything like that. And I feel like, you know, he, he I think he actually, actually came out and said it on uh, Steve Austin's podcast. You know, the only thing he has left, really left in his wrestling career as of right now, is a world title run. You know, and I thought this was going to be that opportunity for him to kind of do it but, you know, we'll see. Who knows? You know, we'll see what the future holds. Hopefully, you know, Sami Zayn is probably, you know, I'm hoping Sami Zayn, I think Sami Zayn would make a good world champion. I see him as the underdog, like a Kofi Kingston or a, or a Daniel Bryan or something like that. That would have been cool. I don't see him having the same longevity as guys like Rollins or Reigns had or anything like that. But, you know, it, it would be nice to have Sami Zayn at least win it at least one time because, you know, Owens did it. You know, Owens did it, and a lot of those guys did it. Finn Balor did it, you know. A lot of those guys did it in a way that was just kind of cool. And, you know, I'm, I'm, hoping, I'm pulling for Sammy because, I, you know, the whole bloodline thing kind of got grew on me with Sammy being there and everything like that. But overall, you know, I think this might be a good opportunity for them to put the title on on Sami Zayn just one time. You know, he don't have to hold it for a whole year or two years the way Roman did, but... You know, it'd be good to see, you know, Sammy say, yep, I won the world. I am a world champion. So, we'll see what happens. But anyways, guys, that's going to go ahead and do it for today's episode. If you like the episode, be sure to follow the podcast on all podcast outlets, whether it's Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Google Play, Odyssey, Reddit, wherever you get your podcasts from. Be sure to follow the podcast on all social media outlets, Instagram and Twitter, The Madhouse 21. Be on the lookout for more episodes as they come out. I just did uh, an NFL recap. I've talked about uh, Black Panther Wakanda forever. I still got a lot more stuff on the way. So be on the lookout for anything and everything that comes out of this podcast. I'm still going to keep up with the WWE stuff. Uh, I was going to do it on sun on Saturday night when it came out, but I was still feeling kind of sick and everything like that. So. Uh, we'll see what happens in the in the near future with the next pay-per-view. I might not do one for uh, the Royal Rumble because the Royal Rumble's in January and it's going to be at uh, in close to my hometown. I live in Houston, but the Royal Rumble's going to be in San Antonio, so I might be going there. So it could not be a little bit more so there. But uh, anyways, guys, that's going to go ahead and do it for today's episode. And of course, follow me on all podcast outlets, follow the podcast on social media outlets, and of course, as always, be sure to embrace your inner madness.